Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates and ready to go. Glad you're with us. The Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow has arrived. Charlie Arnold still in studio. I'm still here. She you're came stuck back. with me. She came back. Withrow in New York. She's headed. You're headed back to New York, right, for UFC 288 I'll be there, uh, yes, tomorrow morning. I'll be back in the uh, city, and then it's off to Newark, New Jersey for UFC 288. God's country. Yes, God's absolutely. Country. The most beautiful city uh, probably in the United States, you know, depending who you it. ask. I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got a great show. Yesterday's show flew by. It did. Right? Three hours, jam-packed. Ben Lieber joins us in 20 minutes. One of the bigger storylines in the NFC after you get past Philadelphia with what the Eagles have done, will be the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins is on the final year of his deal. Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. And what happens with Dalvin Cook? We'll check in with the Minnesota uh, news anchor, TV and radio analyst for the Vikings. That's coming up in 20 minutes. In hour number two, we hit the big topics surrounding the NBA playoffs. All of a sudden, the Warriors took care of the Lakers. And tonight, game three between Philadelphia and New York. We'll, we'll start there uh, with Steve Ashburner, who will join us uh, from NBA.com. He's in Philly covering that. And Guns, the gun show. Mike Gunzelman from Outkick.com always brings the energy. That'll be in hour number three. Um, how's Nashville? You enjoying it? Nashville's great. Uh, I, have, I have a few I'll, you know, concerns that I'd like to voice, and that is to those who uh, find that they need to keep partying till 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> I'm just joking. I actually respect each and every one of you. Good for you having a great time in Nashville. Though I, you know, getting into that grandma stage of my life, I was trying to get a good night's sleep, be prepared for you, be prepared for everyone who's here watching and listening. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. I've had a cup of coffee. I've had a Diet Coke. I had a few tacos okay. here at 6th and Peabody, which are delicious, so highly recommend those. And uh, you know what else? The rain has held off. We so were expecting far. rain, which to the Swifties' dismay, I guess means <laughs> gonna be, bad luck. They're going to be upset, right? Yeah, they wanted rain, which we were all pretty confused about, but I guess, uh, you know. I, I don't is. get it, but you said some you know, like some people consider rain on a wedding day good luck. Yeah, I and think that's, that's what just... the Swifties were saying. They wanted rain during Taylor Swift's concerts because for whatever reason, I guess it's a good omen. But I think it's a great omen that there's no rain because I, that's why my hair is up. I was expecting rain, but I could have worn it down and it's, flowing. It's happening, but it's not happening tonight like it was uh, called for yeah. earlier in the week, which is uh, great for Gary and Aaron, who I think are, are flying back to New York this evening. Uh, no, no bad weather, but bad traffic because all the Taylor Swift fans are coming into town. It's, it's also crazy. It's also interesting because as a weather person, you honestly, you could be right or wrong and you still get paid and no one really faults you for anything right. because I think it's at a 90% chance of rain today. 90%. It's almost, that's almost a hundred and yet there is no rain and so yet far. that person still has their job. I'm sure. It's a, it, the forecast. Yeah. The forecast, just like a, a mock draft. Exactly. No one's going back to really grade these guys <laughs> because it's all about the hype for the league and the buildup. 
Uh, plenty of uh, discussion and topics coming up, but to me, I mean, the, sk- the betting scandal that's going on right now with Alabama and now their former head coach, in, uh, Brad Bohannon. So over the last 24 hours, news has come out that he was, and they've tracked this, he was on the phone with a former high school baseball coach, uh, one of the uh, travel league coaches, again, former who is at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, placing a large amount of money on the Alabama and LSU game one of the series last Friday. And Brad Bohannon is reportedly on, he is on the phone with this former high school coach whose name has not been released. While the decision is being made, that they're going to make a pitching change. Their top player on the mound is replaced about two hours before the game with a guy who has not started for Alabama in over a month. Right. And LSU's the number one team in the country. The odds are heavily in their favor. But what caught the attention of BetMGM and other sports books in the state of Ohio, because it's taking place in Cincinnati while he's at Great American Ballpark, is... For the most part, the apps will cap the amount of money that you can place on your phone at $500 for the most part when it comes to college baseball. Oh, okay. But if you're, pay- if, if you're placing that bet in person at a sports book and you're throwing down cash, you can bet significant more on that game. And what allegedly he did, this coach, is he placed a large amount, a considerable amount to, to flag this on behalf of the sports book on the money line, which was minus 275 or something prior to the news coming out because the head coach is on the phone with him. Yeah. And they also included the LSU and Bama game he did in a parlay. And, I mean, it, it, on, on the scale of stupidity... Right. Biggest red flag. <laughs> scale of stupidity on the phone where they can track this back to the head coach who's fired by Alabama and Greg Byrne, their athletic director... On top of that, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, New Jersey, they've all removed Alabama's, uh, if you wanted to bet on Alabama baseball, by the way, they're in Nashville playing Vanderbilt. You can't in those states. And, I mean, the, the uncertainty level of moving forward, how far back did this go? Because keep in mind, just, just on the surface level, Tim Donaghy, former NBA ref, who was giving information and, and helping fix games in the NBA as a referee with a bookie. He did that for two years. Oh, yeah. I'm sure this was Before he was time. actually caught. And he went to jail for 15 months uh, because of that. Um, now, my guess is this guy, Bohannon, And I imagine all of the money you made placing those illegal bets, probably you have to turn over to law enforcement, well, so whoever. There's, there's no, like, federal regulation for insider it's not like insider trading right on the stock market but if you're in on it and you're actually fixing games yeah that's a different story because that's what donaghy was doing so i don't know where they come down on this guy this high school coach getting this information and placing a bet but they absolutely are cracking down on bohannon because he could affect the game anytime he wanted to 
But, I mean, the idiot's using his phone. Well, right, and, but not anymore because he likely will never coach another right. baseball game in his life. Yeah, but, but you have to think, like, how far back did this go? And, oh, oh, by the way, the irony that this happens at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, uh, the Reds' all-time great player is Pete Rose. And it comes down to a college baseball betting scandal um, at the at the top of the Division One level against the number one team in the country in LSU. Reports are also that the players have nothing to do with this whatsoever. But when you have the manager or the head coach on the phone as the decision's being made for a pitching change, well, I wonder how much this went went on. And my my guess is this investigation is going much deeper than just some surveillance video where they can connect the two. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's also, I, I guess you made the point that you have to use an in-person bookie to place those larger bets. Otherwise, probably, could, do you think easier chance to go get below the radar, right? If you would have placed... Oh, I don't think it's noticeable if it's yeah, a $500 and, and couldn't deal. couldn't you have just spread it out a little more? I mean, I'm not trying to encourage anybody, but hey, you place this bet, you do this, you do this, and then just have people stacking them up all over the place, and then yeah. they all hit, and there you go. There's... <laughs> I mean... It, it, there, I've come up with the solution. And, and they can track him on the apps, right? If you, yeah. If you want to know how much he's bet on Bama or bet against Bama yeah. in this case. And, and, and the other little fact with this is LSU got out to an 8-1 lead and Bama nearly came back and won that game right and if that happened does this even get flagged because it wasn't flagged until after right. the bet was because won it, it, exactly well, pr probably not right I, I doubt it because the sports book wouldn't think twice about a, a winning a wager like that yeah especially with the the big upset that Bama would have had but again, uh, head coach on the phone, they can prove it. Uh, all of this is just crazy. And, and the fact that they did it this fast, um, this is happening. Oh, I'm sure there's... This is happening. And I'm it goes sure beyond the, just college the baseball. The agencies that are keeping an eye out for sports betting because it has gotten so big. I mean, you know, gambling has just completely taken over the sports world. I, I feel like there's probably so many people like they have in casinos. You know, you, I mean, I'm not oh, super yeah. privy to all of like the ins and outs of casinos. I'm not even I'm a horrible gambler. Do not give me your money. <laughs> I will lose it instantly. Uh, but, you know, they have all of the people that are walking through and there's yep. pawns and people at the tables and the watching for people counting cards and all of that type of thing. It's very interesting. And I mean, the, the phone records again, like a. I, I, I honestly am reading through this and thinking, how is this? How it, it was college baseball. That's why it was flagged, right? Right, because who really bets on college how baseball much like of that, right? This, yeah, exactly. So how much of this is going on at the major level, the sport, the the major college level? Oh, it's go, it's going on. Where it just goes completely on. unnoticed because of how much wage, how much people are wagering on college football, and the fact that I mean, it's it's not going to ping at BetMGM is where this took place. Yeah. To the same level it will at a college baseball level where, I mean, you can't even bet on the run line. You can only bet on the money line. Right. It's much more limited. Um, also limited, the, uh, the, the first pitch uh, options yeah. that took place for the Red Sox, Charlie. Yeah, you know, the first pitch is something I feel like as baseball fans or even non-baseball fans, right? Have you, have you done this? I've, no, I've never been a first pitch. Okay. Um, and one reason being is because I feel like I could potentially fare the same way. Olivia Picardo did, who yeah. all of you aren't familiar with who that is. She is Brown's first ever, or she is the first, for, on Brown's behalf, she's the first ever D1 baseball player. 
So she was picked to throw the first pitch out at the game this week, and uh, she missed horribly. She was several feet right of home plate, and so, you know, it was, it was a big gaffe. Obviously, she was probably pretty embarrassed, uh, and I'm not knocking her for that because, like I said, I am not one to say that I would have done much better in her position, though I have to say <laughs> prior to arriving at Brown, Picarda was known for making the roster on the 2022 USA Baseball Women's National Team as a right-handed pitcher an outfielder, so maybe her skills should have been a little bit more up to par, but here we are. Uh, story, though, is the fact that Nesson decided to, New England Sports Network, decided to shut down the comment section on their Twitter page when they posted the video of her making this horrible pitch. And it begs the question, why? Why would you shut down the comment section? Because roasting these first pitch people yeah. is just part of the game. Yeah, it's Gary Delabate didn't Remember get that. 50 Cent, how horrible he was? Oh, yeah. And no one shut down the comment section for him. So why are we shutting it down for a woman? Because I think while us women are making, a lot of us are making the argument that, you know, we are uh, deserving of our own space. We want to stand up for ourselves, save women's sports. On the other hand, we should also be able to take a joke. We should also be able to be the same as men in the sense that, we don't need to shut down the comment section. We can take it. We're strong. Let us go. <laughs> so what do you think about this? I So uh, she made a huge error uh, by throwing as hard as she did. Yeah. That, like the, she went with the fastball. But she's a pitcher. I know. I know. Why but wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she want the, to show up? Went with the fastball, and uh, you can't take that back. It was just a bit outside there. Just a bit. If you just lob it in. You know, you've got it over the plate. The catcher's got it. You know, the bullpen catcher. But how sweet would it have been if she throws did right a fastball and it was just well, perfect? Not, not everyone's George Respect. W. Bush after 9-11. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right down the middle, perfect pitch at Yankee Stadium. Um, I have done the first pitch. I did get it to the uh, – and I, I – where? I Where did you do the first pitch? At the uh, – we did a, uh, two first pitch at two different minor league parks. Okay. Um, here in the area, and wow. we I, I threw a strike, caught the corner uh, with the right. Uh, it was more Greg Maddox. I, I got you know, it would have been a ball, but I, I got the call right. Um, the catcher helped me out, uh -huh. and he framed it perfectly. But I didn't go as hard as I could at the you know county fair trying to impress the girlfriend yep. back in high school, and that she's rearing back, and I'm sure she's warmed up, you know, in the in the clubhouse somewhere, but. That, that was the issue. If you haven't seen the video, I mean, she tries to throw as hard as possible, and it's the nerves are, are right, you know, but, high. But I'm sure, I'm sure she would have been fine. I hope. I mean, she she is a, a student at Brown, so we do have to oh, point out that. Oh, and she's a D1 player. Yeah, uh, but you know, I I just feel like she could take it, and if she couldn't, then you shouldn't be out there throwing the first pitch. That's what I got to say, right? Well, and then, honestly, she had no say over if it was taken down or not. Yeah, they just absolutely. assumed. Yeah, they just assumed I, I, so I, I don't I don't like that. I feel like Same. that's just kind of Nesson uh, making a stand that women aren't tough enough to absorb uh, the comments that are put out into the universe by other people. And we are. We can take it. Believe me, we are thick skinned. So uh, I hope next time Nesson reconsiders uh, removing the comment section. Yeah. So there's that. Yes. Uh, and you're never going to see a highlight of a good first pitch. Unless it's George W. Yeah. That's it. But but I think a lot of seeing the bad pitch, it's just, it's a good pitch. Like Conor McGregor, horrible. <laughs> but it may, it makes you, you know, a little more endeared to him. You're like, okay, yeah. you're great inside the octagon, horrible on the mound. 50 Cent, you're great wrapping some bars, horrible on the mound. Yes. Right? 
I, I agree. We all have yeah. our strengths. And the comment section, uh, sections are open. Yeah. Open. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer, uh, now former head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, two years removed from winning the NBA title with Giannis. And they're the one seed. They fall to the eight seed Miami. Giannis last week is saying it's not a failure and he's going through the reasons why. Um, which explains why Giannis is not viewed in the same category as a LeBron or a Durant or a Steph Curry, because, you know, he's explaining, trying to explain why not becoming the sixth team in the history of the NBA to lose to an eight seed as a one seed in, in round one isn't somehow a failure for that year. Chad and I agree, it absolutely was. But consider that Budenholzer... His brother had died right before game four mm -hmm. of what ended up being a five-game series in a car accident. And he nothing came out from the Bucks on this until after the series. And two years after winning a title, he joins Nick Nurse, who won an NBA title in 2019 with Toronto. He's fired this year. Frank Vogel, who won the NBA title with the Lakers in 2020. He was fired last season. And now Budenholzer who won the title in 2021, fired yesterday. And, I mean, the guys, the current coaches who continue to win titles, Steve Kerr is the recurring guy who gets, you know, two years off or whatever and then goes back and yeah. wins the next title. But, I mean, it is amazing to me how teams, organizations, and especially college, college football is a great example at the highest level of how fans and athletic departments, and in this case, uh, front offices will eat their own. Uh, yeah, solid head coach. There's got to be a scapegoat, it seems, in every sense of why things didn't play out the way they did. Although, I mean, it's easy to pinpoint. It just, the, the team fell apart. They didn't play well. And, I mean, At all. And also, you do have to be very understanding of the fact that now we realize, which it should have been released sooner, that his brother was killed tragically in a car accident. I mean, how would that not affect somebody? That it just... There, in, in no world would that be something that someone would be able right. to just quickly rebound from and it not affect the way that they are able to go about their life and do their job. So I wish we knew about that sooner. And I also think that when you look at Budenholzer's record overall, uh, he's just the fourth coach in the past 50 seasons to lead his team to the best record in the NBA and then not return the following season. Yeah. Uh, so there's Won a lot 70 percent of his games. Yeah. I, and I think he the, there's very few coaches who would be able to put up numbers like that and work with a team like the Bucks, who, you know, they, it's not like they have a stacked roster from top to bottom. Um, there's a few key players they're working with, and I think he did a great job at molding them and helping them become a, a really collective unit. And there's a story behind There has to be, because whenever they won the title, immediately after, Budenholzer and Giannis were talking about running it back. Mm -hmm. And then Giannis signs the mega contract to stay in Milwaukee instead of taking, you know, the, the LeBron approach yes. and going and forming some mega team elsewhere. He wanted to do it in the market that he was originally drafted to. And he did it with Budenholzer. He signed back with him. And now two years later, Giannis is saying, hey, series wasn't a failure, even though we lost in five games to the eight seed. And meanwhile, the head coach is fired immediately following that presser. Do you think Giannis had anything to do with it? I don't know how they don't go to Giannis before they make they this move. To. They absolutely have to. have to. And yeah, I mean, he... The superstars run the league. Absolutely. The, play, the top players run the league in the NBA. There's very few coaches that have the type of pool 
like Kerr or Popovich and others. And Budenholzer and, and Giannis would be that type of relationship. Yeah. Not in this case. So who do you think? You think Nick Nurse is well, the next rumor is, in Milwaukee? The rumor is they're going to, like, it would be perfect if Nick Nurse and Budenholzer just swap jobs. Yeah. You know, because he's going to get hired again. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, Nurse is another example, though. A good coach who's going to end up with a good organization, and we'll see him coaching deep into the playoffs yeah. again. How deep can the Minnesota Vikings go in the NFC, considering that Rodgers is out of the division now in the NFC North, the team climbing the ladder is Detroit, and Chicago is trying to build a, around their young quarterback. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins is going into the final year of his deal. Dalvin Cook is not the focus of that offense anymore, and they've just gotten even better with their wide receiving core. Well, Ask Ben Lieber all of this and more, considering the news that Rodgers is now in New York. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Charlie Arnold in studio for Chad Withrow. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. If you're watching on YouTube, hope you'll hit that subscribe button Do and it. like, Push it. share, join us in the chat, and much more. You can also uh, check out the stream at Outkick.com. You can check out uh, Ben Lieber, Minnesota Vikings radio and TV analyst, who joins us now. Ben, great to have you on, man, and, and thanks for the time. And well, it's going to be a very interesting NFC North considering Aaron Rodgers is now in the AFC and Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his deal. And it's the Detroit Lions all of a sudden that are the hot team. Oh, uh, I know. Well, first of all, it's great to be on with you two. Um, yeah, man, that's that seems to be the the sexy thing to talk about is how is how well the Detroit Lions did last year how they closed out the season last year how well they've done in the free agency and the draft process and they seem to have the, the right chemistry going um and i'm fine with that you know if that's if that's gonna like take all the attention away from how the vikings sort of finish the season and how you know how much work that the vikings have to do on defense and all this other stuff there there are there are some issues we all understand that but um look the viking or the, the lions have been in the basement of the NFC for a long time. So I'm fine if they're going to get some love. Justin Jefferson, uh, one of the top players in the NFL period. Now you've, Addison is there. And the expectations whenever O'Connell came in is, hey, we're, we're no longer a run-first offense. It's pass-first offense. How has that changed the perception of where the Vikings can go, given the fact that they have the head coach with the background and pedigree to actually – do some more things with this passing offense? Well, it's interesting that you say that because it's, it's my opinion that this offense is actually going to look a little bit different than it did last year. You know, time and time again, you know, I would ask, uh, I, I was able to interview 
Coach O'Connell, after every game for KFN Radio, uh, as a sideline reporter, that's my job on Sundays. And a lot of times we're asking about the, the inability and the ineffectiveness of the run game. And sometimes it was just not enough touches and not enough carries. And he would say, yep, that kind of got away from me. You know, we need to, we need to run the ball a little bit more. We're going to evaluate that. And, and that happened several times throughout the course of the year. I actually think with the signing of Josh Oliver and free agency from Baltimore, I think you're going to see a different looking offense. It's still going to be predominantly a passing game, but I think that we're going to see a lot more big personnel. They re-signed CJ Ham, the fullback. If that was the direction that you thought they were going to go, I don't think that you sign on the best blocking tight end in free agency. I don't think you re-sign your, your fullback that you're, that's been on the team for the last seven, eight years. I think this offense under KOC as he's been, uh, as he got to evaluate it after one year, I think you're going to see a lot more big tight ends, big sets, run the football, set up the play action. Yeah, at the end of the day, it still might be 60% pass, but I think he wants to get into a mode where he wants to control the ball a little bit more and uh, and get more downhill and punch you in the mouth. So does that include Dalvin Cook? I mean, I, I the time to trade him would have been last weekend, right? Yeah, I, I still think, and I, I kind of agree with most of the public around here, that you know, as much as we love Dalvin and he's an incredible runner, you know, his contract is just a, it's a big hit. And, um, you know, I, I don't foresee him being on, on the, the opening day roster. I don't know when the deal would get done. I don't know how it's going to get done. I don't know if they're just going to have to straight up release the guy, but you know, they re-signed Alexander Madison, you know, at a decent contract. Yeah. And, and I don't think that Alexander signs that contract unless there's some sort of communication with them internally of like, Hey, how are you going to use me? You know, what are my touches going to look like? What percentage of the offense am I going to be a part of? Um, I think once those conversations were had and he was happy, he signed the contract. So it leads me to believe that he's going to be a little bit more of the bell cow, get more touches, which means, you know, not, not enough for, for Dalvin and certainly not enough to justify his contract. Where do you think he'll go? if He's not staying with Minnesota. You know, I, I think there was the rumors with, you know, before the draft, it was, does, does Buffalo take a sniff at him? You know, does he, does he get paired up with his brother? Um, you know, the uh, the Miami Dolphins obviously are still, I think, I think, pretty strong contenders. I think the issue becomes if you're not going to make a trade during the draft, the whole league knows that you don't want to carry that contract. So I think a lot of people are just going to wait around possibly and just see if you can get them off the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of a lot of the teams that needed running back, I think, addressed those needs during the draft. Ben Lieber with us, uh, radio and TV analyst for the Minnesota Vikings uh, there in Minnesota and Minneapolis. So AFC quarterbacks stacked. Rodgers now there as well. When you start to look through the quarterbacks of the NFC, we know where Jalen Hurts is at the top of the NFC yeah. right now. Where's Kirk Cousins yeah. on this list? Oh, I think he, I, look, I, I, think that he's a, I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. I mean, between both conferences and, you know, look, I think it's really interesting that, that people will have two different opinions. You know, (laughs) there, we looked at each other on that one. (laughs) I I know you did. And and I, and I get it. You know, I'm, I'm a Kirk fan. I think that he's gone out and proven himself. You know, everybody said when he got to the Vikings that he was not clutch, could not win in prime time, could not win in the fourth quarter. These last couple of years, he's proven everybody wrong. You know, I think he had eight, Eight come from behind victories in the in the in the fourth quarter. At least he put the team with game winning drives. It's the defense the last two years that has really fallen apart and let this team down. Thirty first in total defense last year, not good enough. I don't care how good of a quarterback you have. Um, 
I think he's good enough to win for this team. I think he's good enough to win the Super Bowl. And here's the point that I want to make. When everybody was talking about Kirk possibly being, being traded to the San Francisco 49ers, what did a lot of the countries say when that was, that was being floated around? Wow, this, all, this automatically makes the 49ers a top contender to win the Super Bowl. Why? If you, if you hated Kirk Cousins and you said that he doesn't have the championship in, uh, intangibles to win with the Vikings, why do you think that he has the championship in t- intangibles to, to win with the 49ers? You can't have it both ways. I think people are out there just to hate on Kirk, just to hate on him, just because they think it's kind of fun and, and it's a fun thing to do. But he's run the ball a little bit more. His pocket awareness has gotten better. He's one of the most durable quarterbacks in the league. And I'm telling you right now, he can make every single throw. Every game that you watch Kirk Cousins, there's going to be a throw or two that you say, wow, that, that was a big boy throw. And I think if you add it all up, he, he absolutely has the chops to win a championship. Well, in the final year of his deal, though, Ben, like – are we headed down the same path that we just saw him go through in Washington or, you know, where it's a tag and he's got to prove it again, or is it more than that? If he repeats what he did a year ago? Well, he just had a great press conference the other day and he addressed that. And he said, look, I I didn't have any offers going into my senior year of high school. I got out of that, that my senior year of, of football and I still didn't have any offers. And then Michigan state came in later on. And so he's like, look, I I've, I've had to deal with this sort of prove it and earn it mentality. And he mentioned the word earn it several times in this press conference. And he's like, I'm just like all these other guys on this team. I have to go out and earn and prove year over year that I deserve these contracts and I deserve to be the leader of this team. And, um, you know, I, I think when he says it, he truly believes it. I don't think it's just, you know, company line coach speak stuff. I really think that he's going to go out there with the mentality to earn it. And whether or not he earns another contract with the Vikings, we'll have to see. But I think he's ready to embrace uh, this one-year deal that he has with the Vikings, and we'll see how it works out at the end of the season. Well, he's already made it clear he wants to retire as a Minnesota Viking. But then I would ask you, Ben, uh, what would the plan be for rookie quarterback Jaron Hall long-term? You know, I I personally don't think that Jaron is brought in to – to plant him or to be the franchise quarterback. I think you always just want to increase competition. And, you know, maybe there's a chance that you find a little something in there that um, that makes you believe he can be a franchise quarterback. I think right now he's good enough to compete with Nick Mullins for that number two spot. And then after that, you know, gets a year or two under his belt and we'll see what happens. But, you know, whether or not you believe in the, the S2 cognitive test, he scored off the charts with that. He's an older kid, as a lot of guys are from uh, from BYU. So I think he's very mature. He's one of the best deep ball throwers in all of college football last year. So you know this is an offense that does want to play action and get the ball deep. So he has a lot of the things that they're looking for, and he's mobile and he can run a lot of the bootlegs and play action. So I don't know, man. You know, maybe he maybe he is one of those guys that uh, like Brock Purdy that you find late in the draft that uh, that may surprise you, and you know he goes out and earns the opportunity to be the franchise guy. And we've never seen a wide receiver win the MVP award. And with the quarterback chase, we're likely not going to, unless we see a wide receiver get 2,000 yards for the first time in NFL history. Is Justin Jefferson capable of that? I think we know he is. And if he is, how much will he have in support of that award? Well, he'd have a ton of support. I, I just think that last year is probably his best year to do that based on the number of targets and catches 
you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to believe what I just mentioned to you guys, that this is going to be a, a little bit more of a, yeah. a running emphasis compared to last year, I just don't think he's going to have enough targets. And you look at the way Hawkinson came on last year after the trade, you know, he took a bulk of those, those possession down targets and those catches. And I, I just think unless he has just these, these huge games with these huge, you know, averages of, of, of yards after catch or something like that, I just don't think that he's going to get to 2000 yards. I mean, I, there's going to be limited opportunity. I think the way this offense is going to be built. this year. Did I see where that the last time I was at the stadium there was 2020 state of the art facility. Did I see where there's over yeah. $200 million worth of upgrades that they're asking for <laughs> already? Yeah. yeah. What are I they? Know, I don't know. Why? The deal is man. I, I, it's, it's kind of sad because you see this you see this huge beautiful facility even when didn't it got they, built. Didn't they just I do think, a lot of upgrades a few years ago before the Super Bowl? Brand new. Yeah, yeah so they how they did. I know, where's all this money I, coming from? Well, <laughs> I, look, I'm going to take a guess. I, I think they've been kind of secretive about where the, this money is going to go to some of these upgrades. I think a lot of it is just maintenance. You know that the beautiful black matte finish they have on there. Those are just like big big pieces of siding material. And I think even before the first game started, that was falling off the oh my building goodness. and falling onto the ground. And thankfully, you know, it's not, it wasn't being used um, in, in the capacity that it is now with like concerts and all this other stuff. So nobody got injured, but they've been having to like, like piece those things back together <laughs> a lot over the last couple of years. So I, I, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the exterior and just holding it in place. Well, I'm sure the weather doesn't, you know, when you're... Yeah, you're getting so much snow and rain and it's wet and you yeah. use the salt to melt the snow. It probably does some damage to the exterior of those buildings and the finishings on whatever the structures are that you're referring to. Yeah, it's in it's it's been a brutal winter just this last winter uh, we've had. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly don't even know how anything stays together here in Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know what our buildings are made out of because it is it is freezing cold. Um, you know, we have a lot of snow, you know, we had a top five snow, snowiest winter this last Lucky year. You. So I, I know, I don't even know that's, that's certainly not a badge of honor. I don't even know why I really have to say that, but, uh, just let you know that we had a lot of snow. We had, we had to endure a lot this year, but you, you do have some badges of honors. I mean, you had some, uh, nice playing days at K state under Bill Snyder, who we all know takes a really hard stance on transfers. So what do you think Bill's reaction would be to all the transfers taking place today and also the NIL era that we are currently in? You know, I, I think he'd be reluctant to do it, but I think he would eventually do it. I think that when he took his little three-year hiatus and Ron Prince came in, I think he had a lot of time to reflect on what he'd do differently. And I think, you know, from the way I understand it, when he came back, he was much more flexible with just, I think, player rights, player movements. Um, you know, it wasn't just like do as I say without asking questions. I think he was answering all the questions as to like why we're doing things that the that the young generation wants to know. And that's totally fine. I, I think that he would probably shake his head at, at what Deion Sanders is doing in Colorado. Um, I mean, me personally, I I think it's fine if you want to refresh, but the phrasing and the way that he's gone about it has been completely disrespectful to the guys that were there. And uh, the way he's intentionally running guys off with just this callous demeanor, I, I think that eventually that sort of attitude is going to come back and bite him. I know everybody loves it. They sold out the stadium for the, for the spring game. Um, it's the, it's the fun, you know, shiny new toy, but I think he's got to work on the way he, he sort of models that, that foundation of how they treat players there, uh, and the way that he, he deals with them. I, I certainly don't think, um, 
you know, I, I, as a college player would not have appreciated the way that he spoke to those players. And, and maybe that's just a little bit of Bill Snyder rubbing off on me. A little bit old school. Ben, uh, great stuff, man. Thank you as always, especially up against the start of your show there. So we appreciate you. And we'll, we'll uh, certainly be chatting soon over the off season as things crank up. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to the next one. Thank yeah, you. Same here. Ben Lieber uh, there in Minnesota. Uh, great radio host and also a part of the uh, broadcast on game days uh, for the Vikings. Um, how long have you been with UFC broadcasts? Uh, I'm coming up on my one year anniversary here in a few months. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, just doing a little pre-anniversary celebration at UFC 288 on this Saturday week, yes. in, in lovely Newark. Uh, but I am excited. I am excited. I mean, what a headlining fight that we have. Main event, Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo. And really from a narrative standpoint, I mean, the winner of this one could easily move into the discussion of being known as one of the greatest UFC bantamweights of all time. So I'm looking forward to this one. I also think there's a lot of, I like the smack talking that's been going on ahead of, I, that's always one of the intriguing points to me in the UFC when you get to really see the personality and the character of these fighters. And Aljamain Sterling, I can say, um, from meeting a few times, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Henry Cejudo also, I think is a nice guy, but rubs a lot of people He's the wrong way. And I hear you're one of those that he yes. rubs the wrong way. Annoying. He can talk him, he can talk himself into a fight though. Like, that's the thing I love about UFC. You can talk your way into a title fight. You can jump the line. Yeah. If you can create the headline. I mean, he goes from being retired to suddenly he's fighting for the title. And and if he wins, who knows what's next for him? Yeah, more annoying press conferences. Coming up though, I, I do want to dive in because you're headed to 288 tomorrow. Yes. Uh, in Newark. But beyond that, there are some mega fights. McGregor, uh, and Chandler, John Jones, who's going to fight this fall, I believe, or the, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the plan. And and he's all the rumors are he's retiring after the Miocic fight. I, I'm I'm curious to get your take Lots on all this uh, straight ahead. That's next. We'll get Charlie's take on the UFC and the calendar ahead with the storyline here on Hot Mike. Charlie Arnold, what is it like working for Dana White? It's awesome. Honestly, he's one of those people when you think of what would you, how would you configure a perfect boss? Yes. He's one of them. Uh, he just is so supportive. He stands behind everything he does. He is fearless in what he says and does, and he doesn't apologize to anybody. Uh, which I respect, right? If you have strong conviction, I, I can respect that. So, uh, yeah, he's great in what he's built. I mean, the UFC is blowing up. It's like every weekend we have I mean, massive fights. You know, we have pay-per-views every month. But even aside from that, every single weekend there's something to look forward to in the UFC. Well, and they're going to get out. Um, they've been out back on the road now. But they, they're going to get out more, right, than just the, the UFC Performance Center in yeah, Vegas yeah, yeah, for yeah, fight Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's some uh, – I don't know how much I'm allowed to say yet. I think some have been announced, but there's some shows that are – going international they're going around the country as you've seen as yep. of recently remember they were just in miami a few weeks ago um you know and I, I love the fact that he's paying back jacksonville yeah they were the first i believe building that opened up for him after covid yes. or during the yes COVID jacksonville lockdown. was very good to the ufc and he he said at the press he's like i'm going to come back here more often yeah because of the mayor and the governor absolutely and i'm going to make sure i take care yeah, of these props guys. to florida yeah, oh, absolutely. It was Florida and what was the other state? Arizona? No, Texas, yeah. I think, were the two. Yeah, those were the, the best states but. to, to really. And, and you see 
and look what happened. Both the states are just being swarmed by people who have had enough of living in New York and California. And now those two places, it's hard to buy property for, you know, a third of what it was years ago. How big of a pay-per-view will Saturday be? It's going to be huge. Aljo and Cejudo. Yeah, I'm, this is, uh, you talk about returning to certain cities and New York hasn't seen uh, a pay-per-view event in a long time. Uh, and this is a place that actually suits Aljamain Sterling, uh, the champion who will be fighting uh, Henry Cejudo. They're both competing for the Bantamweight Championship on Saturday night because he actually has a 9-0 and mark in the state of New Jersey. So if we are following history, looks like he might be getting a win. I guess that depends who you ask, but I, guess, yeah, I, I think asking so, you, you don't want Henry Cejudo to win. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Colby Covington's playing a, he's playing a character too, but but he's an entertaining character, right? Yes. Like uh, with with Cejudo, it's just annoying, and it's he's like, like a little pest. Yeah, and it, it, but it's it's just like it, not even dad joke level. Like it's just on purpose, really bad dad joke level, and you can't really fit that to me the ufc trash talk model doing that yeah there's only so many people i think also that when you hear them trash talking you believe them henry cejudo almost you're like okay we get it you know you're like you said trying to play the part but we don't believe you right conor mcgregor we can believe we can get behind yeah um colby covington we can get behind i mean he is you know he plays it very well but henry cejudo not so much and even guys like israel adesanya who holds a lot of respect in the UFC. He can't stand the way Henry Cejudo conducts himself. So for that being one reason, he's pulling for Aljamain Sterling. But he also thinks Aljamain Sterling just, you know, being the, you know, he's he's the, the taller fighter, uh, just his all-around fight game, uh, probably is going to be coming out with the win. But it is going to be interesting to see who controls this fight, I believe. All right, so maybe the things aren't locked in stone. Uh, best guess, though, McGregor and Chandler will take place when? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, it's all about when Connor clears all the USADA protocols, which as of right now, he hasn't even started making a dent in those. I think he needs... Six months or something? Yeah, and like a couple clean tests uh, to really be able to to book the fight. So I think fall is probably the earliest we'd be looking at, but it could even be sometime in the winter. But I don't think Connor is necessarily in any particular rush. He wants to make sure he's in the best position himself. And also, we know that their upcoming season of The Ultimate Fighter, it's really being released in just a few weeks from now. So that'll be fun to really get a first glimpse at the rivalry that's going to be taking place between McGregor and Chandler. How do they keep those results private? They just have very trustworthy people. Because it's already filmed, Yeah, right? it's, it's already done. It's in the books. I was actually out in Vegas for the slap fighting uh, when they you know <laughs> launched that first season i was a big part of that i still will be a big part of that moving forward which that's also a blast to be working with but um yeah they were in and out of the building all the time so that's wrapped up so yeah as far as who came out on top of that uh you know that's something that i actually have no insight into but Someone does. So uh, I started watching UFC. It was like 2013, 2014. And I got hooked on the promos for Cormier and John Jones 1. Yes. And I bought the pay-per-view. Okay. And then from there... How much did the pay-per-view cost back then? It was $65 now. And what's it or now? Then, now it's what? 
it's over it's over ninety dollars. Okay, because I, I have I, I, yeah. Okay, so I have a subscription, so I don't have to you know I get hooked up well, because then, of what I do. And it's <laughs> difficult now for bars to even have them because it's based on capacity. Which not, I didn't realize that was a thing screen. when you had mentioned that maybe hosting yeah, a six, UFC fight it, here, and it, I didn't realize it had. I thought you just would purchase yeah. it like a normal person. You could show it to the I mean, whole it's bar. Thousands of dollars, right? Wow. You have to pay an entry fee, and they don't want it. Most bars don't want to do that if you're just going to have the watch party, right? Right. Um, I wish they could come down on that price a little bit. Um, but John Jones now, now he's up at heavyweight. Is that going to be in the summer or the fall? I think they are hoping to book that at Madison Square Garden in November, which That's would be perfect. huge. A perfect stage, right? Yeah. Uh, the interesting question, though, is whether or not that'll be John Jones's last fight. Yeah, but he, he's contemplating retirement. He's, he's hinted contem- at this. He's contemplated, and, and it would make sense because I think one of the big reasons he came back at heavyweight, it was a new challenge, right? I want to see if I can, what I can accomplish here. And it was so easy for him, right? Everyone, even Dana White, I think, was astonished because we all know how powerful uh, he is. But I don't think anyone would have guessed it would have been that simple for him to get with, a win with, uh, in his first gone. time at his heavyweight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the question is, what does this fight against Stipe Miocic look like? If it's just as easy, I think it's going to be easy for him to make the decision to walk away. If it's a bit more of a challenge, maybe he contemplates, okay, let's give it another run. Uh, but I think that's going to be a big factor as to whether or not he decides to retire. And he needs the right opponent again. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Sergey Pavlovich... Very well. He just recently he, won. He just recently won against Curtis Blades a couple weeks ago. I was covering that fight, and he has already said he's looking forward to taking on John Jones should that opportunity present itself. And, you know, that could be a good one. I'd love to see John Jones stick around. He draws a lot of crowds. Uh, he's a fun person to watch, and I don't uh, want him to end things this early on. Dana White gets it done. And in a sport where he can try to book things out in advance, but he doesn't control results. No, he does not. And... That's the difference between now the merger between them and WWE. (laughs) Coming up, Senator Tommy Tuberville roasted Megan Rapinoe.